Hello and welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. Thank you guys for being here. I am your host, Dr. Haley. I've got a solo episode coming up for you guys today. I am really, I've been really busy and it's, I don't think I've caught you guys up apart from the move, but obviously we're, we're in a new house. If you've been listening to previous episodes, I've also been working really, really hard on just being able to bring you guys, just being able to bring you guys obviously good content for free on the podcast and social media, but also be find ways to be able to bring more to the people that I work with. So I've been adding some really cool things to people who work with me one-on-one. I have these really cool package options, which include certain office hours via Voxer, just so that we can stay more accountable in between our scheduled sessions, which that's something I've been implementing. But I've also been in the process of building out a membership program. So, you know, being able to be in a group and be able to be accountable. I'm going to share my recipes and stuff there. I'm going to share, you know, we can work through certain protocols together. Um, and it'll just be, you know, kind of like a a first barrier to entry, uh, in terms of working with me. Right. So obviously when you work one-on-one with me, that is, that is like the top tier, but the membership is something I'm super excited about. I'm really hoping to get that off the ground really soon. So I've been working on it trying to figure out what platform I want to use it for, but it's definitely, I want to put it at an affordable price point, but I also want to provide a ton of value in terms of nutrition, community, your ability to ask questions with me and communicate with me when you need through, and I'll probably have something similar like the virtual office hours that I have with my one-on-one. It'll be kind of similar to that, but it's going to be in kind of like a group platform. I don't think I'm going to do it within Facebook. There's kind of a lot of other like community type memberships and people who are in that membership will kind of get a little bit of everything. I'll, I want to do maybe like monthly or bi-monthly Zoom calls with people that are in there or lives or something so that you just, you're getting a little bit more. It's kind of similar to, you know, I give a lot of, a lot of free information on my podcast and on my social media. And that membership is just going to be kind of that next step and, and, you know, diving deeper into things. Like there's a lot of questions that I get on the weekly Q and A's that I do. And some of them are just so in depth where I wouldn't, I can't, I can only scratch the surface with it, but in that membership, I'm going to be able to do things a little bit more obviously in depth, give a little bit more, a lot more information. I want to provide a lot of value. I want to make it really cool. So I'm working on the alpha health membership now. Um, there's definitely a lot that goes into it and it's hard because my schedule has been really crazy, which is a good thing, but it definitely makes that other stuff more difficult to do. But nonetheless, we are working on that. So stay tuned for that. You guys can just make sure you're the first to know because my email list will be the first to know before I announce it to social media or anything else. So you can just make sure you're subscribed to my email list. I don't spam you guys there. If anything, I maybe send two or three a month. I don't send a ton. I send what I think is relevant. I send what I think is important. They're easy to read. Um, but, but that email list does get kind of the first of when I'm announcing things or launching things, having sales, etc. So just make sure you're on there. I want to shout out Tala, um, not my dog, but Tala M on the podcast, Apple podcast. She said one of the most informative podcasts out there. 
I've been listening to Haley for the past several months now. I went back and started from the very beginning and I've learned so much. I've implemented so much and seriously feel amazing. She's such a wealth of knowledge and I'm so thankful I found her podcast. So thank you so much, Tala. I love your name. And there's so many great reviews. I don't, I'm not lying when I say I go and I read every single one of them. They mean a lot to me. They mean a lot to my practice. They mean a lot to how I can help you guys and ensuring that I'm doing what I am supposed to be doing in terms of just bringing this information and making it more accessible to people. So yeah. So today, like I said, as a solo episode, I'm going to be talking a lot about really debunking a lot of bro science. And I also am going to be talking a lot about the food and drug kind of administration and not necessarily just kind of opening people's eyes to really what's in our food and the testing that goes behind it or lack thereof um, in terms of safety and toxicity so that it can maybe open our eyes a little bit to some of the corruption and dirty science and stuff that's out there that I know that nutrition kind of already is confusing, but there's a lot of things that I think that people really should know about the food that they're eating and in terms of the safety and microdosing and yeah, like I said, level of toxicity and we'll kind of get into that. And I think a lot of this just is stemming from the processed food industry, trying to protect their food. And obviously when we just get back to eating real foods, we don't have to worry about any of these things, but nonetheless, we were going to be talking about all of those things. So maybe grab your pen and paper, but buckle up because we are going to be unraveling a lot of things. And I'm going to share a lot of sources where I got this information from. Um, I read a really great book called Metabolical by Robert Lustig, Dr. Robert Lustig, and it was incredible. So I do have a lot of kind of notes that I've taken from his book that are in here. A lot of this is just kind of, if you look at the data and if you look at conflict of interest in certain research papers, so it's, this might be mind blowing to some people to me, as I was reading a lot of this stuff, I was not surprised, but I still learned something. So I hope that you learned something too. So I guess first, let's get into a little bit about the organizations that govern our food and quote unquote, determine them safe, (laughs) safe, safe is in very, very loose quotations. So the FDA's job essentially is they're supposed to guarantee the safety of food. So starting in uh, 1938, the Cosmetic Act essentially just made the ability for screening for acute toxicity. There is nothing about chronic toxicity in studies. So, I mean, if you look at cigarettes, right, like one or two cigarettes does not kill you. Multiple cigarettes over time is where we get into the problem. And look at, look at how long it took science to catch up to that. I mean, you had doctors in the seventies and eighties saying, Oh, just go smoke a cigarette. I mean, that's like where we are, where we were at (laughs) and look at where we are now. I mean, we know that it's bad. It's just crazy how it takes so much time to catch up to those things. So, um, okay. So again, their job main thing is just guarantee the safety in food. They do not do chronic toxicity. They only guarantee for acute toxicity, right? Like bacterial, um, like poison, you know, if any, um, but There's a lot of different kind of like loopholes there. And one of the loopholes that there is with food labeling is structure function. So let's say we use, well, let's say we use calcium, right? Calcium builds strong bones. So if there's a food that has a certain percentage of calcium in it, they can say build strong bones. What you can't do is you can't 
make health claims, but the structure function allows you that loophole so that you essentially can make health claims. That's why you see on cereal, right? Like if it's whole grain cereal, they can say good for your heart. Meanwhile, there's inflammatory oils in there. There's tons of sugar. There's tons of things that aren't, but because there might be one ingredient that has a certain percentage that's acceptable, they can use the structure function and therefore market it as healthier. Honestly, the biggest thing is we need to just start eating foods that don't have marketing companies because think about it. If they have to persuade you to eat it, think about all of their, their payroll of all the, the food scientists, the marketers, the designers, all of those things. And then like the actual product for the food versus actually just eating whole food. Right? So that's something to just think about. But so I actually wanted to quote something for you guys that I read in the book that I really, really liked. So this was from, who is this from? This is from somebody at the FDA, Clearfield, who was a scientist. There are currently insufficient data to justify a decision on regulation or taxation of sugar-containing foods. There's no credible evidence that added sugar or any simple saccharide is toxic, toxic or addictive or contributes to any disease independently of diet that provides excess energy other than dental caries. So yeah. So clearly the FDA does not quite have your best interest in mind when it comes to limiting sugar in foods. They don't care. If anything, it just makes everybody more money because it's more hyperpalatable. You're going to enjoy it more. It's just, it's insane. Other loopholes and other kind of like things that these companies can get around are obviously the terms quote unquote healthy and quote unquote natural. You see those a lot on products, healthy, natural. And so those those again, terms aren't quite regulated, but this is the FDA standards to quote for a company to call something healthy. So it doesn't necessarily need to be low in fat, but it needs to have a higher percentage of mono, but more, more importantly, polyunsaturated fats, which if you know anything from listening to this pod podcast, vegetable oils are primarily polyunsaturated fats. Polyunsaturated fats, you know, can be found in things like nuts and seeds at a lesser degree, honestly, but Monounsaturated fats are things that are found in like olive oil, olives, avocado, things like that. But essentially they're, they're saying that anything that's not saturated fat is healthy. Where in my opinion, I kind of think that saturated can, saturated can be very healthy. You know, high quality grass fed butter, high quality meats, eggs. I mean, those can be incredible sources of healthy fats. Additionally, to call something healthy, it has to contain a 10% daily value of potassium or vitamin D. Okay, so is that that's honestly what we those two things. It has to be higher percentage of mono and polyunsaturated fat and it has to contain 10% daily value of potassium or vitamin D, which we all know the synthetic form of vitamin D that they're fortifying in milks and things like that. That's a D2, that's an inactive form of vitamin D. It's not even but it's it's really not even shown to be as effective as the as the active form of vitamin D, which is D three, cholecalciferol, and so that's that's all they're going off of to be able to label something as healthy. So if you see that healthy label, you got to do some more digging. They're only able to label healthy just based off of those two claims alone. In terms of natural, natural is one of the biggest overarching words that essentially means absolutely nothing. I mean, arsenic is natural. Right. And so high fructose corn syrup is able to be on a natural food claim because I guess corn is natural. 
doesn't matter what you do to it. Um, they're allowed to put ascorbic acid. Like if you look at the dole fruit containers, those are natural, but ascorbic acid and high fructose corn syrup are on both of them. And I've talked about this on another podcast, I believe, but ascorbic acid is often times derived from GMO mold. It's, it's literally derived from mold. And so I don't really love ascorbic acid. <laughs> they say it's a great source of vitamin C, but why do we even need to add ascorbic acid and high fructose corn syrup to something that's already very sweet, which is fruit? That's perplexing to me, and I will never understand, ever. <laughs> There's um, The FDA also has this list. It's called the GRAS list, G-R-A-S, and it was essentially created in 1958, and the GRAS, the GRAS stands for generally recognized as safe. And essentially what it does is it's pretty much quoted by the scientists who created it. The dose determines a poison. And you hear bro scientists say this all the time. You hear people say this all the time. The dose determines a poison. And which some point, like that's true. Like we have kind of microdose sources of lead and arsenic and things like rice and just depending on what the soil is rich in certain things in our food. But Essentially, the generalized the generally recognized as safe list was um, essentially just created to essentially be a loophole, right? So it was essentially made it was essentially a process to help avoid the lengthy and expensive food approval process that otherwise companies had to go through. Which the crazy thing about the grass list is. All you need to do is you need to have a scientist and you need to have a scientist. It doesn't matter if you pay them. It doesn't matter who pays them. Most of the time, these scientists are not employed by the FDA. You just have to have a scientist kind of approve your claim and that's it. Because now we've created the grass list to be privatized and there's no central list. So any company could go in and say, I want you to say that sucralose is safe in my product or this thing is safe in my product. So the scientists they do their study, whatever. They generally recognize it as safe and it has, the FDA does not have to sign off on it. Like that's a crazy thing. This list, there's over 3000 items on that grass list that has never been reviewed by the FDA. And there's 10,000, over 10,000 ingredients now on that list. And of that 10,000 ingredients ever in history since 1958 have two been removed. Two are the only ones that have been removed. The only ones that were removed were nitrates and trans fat. So back in 1988, the first research paper came out about trans fat saying it's linked to heart disease, hypertension, cardiovascular inflammation. And in 2006, the FDA added trans fat to the labels so consumers could be aware of how much they were getting, which that label only had to show, I believe it was, so if you had like less than half a gram, it didn't have to label it. Or like, even if it said zero, so like in Oreos, for instance, there was, or whatever, I mean, I, that was just, I remember learning about that one for some reason in nutrition, but there was zero, right? Like trans fat free. But because if there's less than half a gram, they don't have to label it. But if you ate a whole sleeve of Oreos, you probably got a few grams of trans fat. So because they were only listing obviously per serving. Like, and if there's zero, it doesn't account for what's missing or the microdose that could be in a serving. It's so sketchy. So anyways, in 2006, they added trans fat to the label, but then finally over 20 years later on November 7th, 2013, trans fats was removed from the grass list, but it still was taking years 
to get it out of products. Because I remember when I was in a nutrition class in college, they had said in 2013 that they were going to remove it from products, but this was, so this was my senior year. So 2015, they still were allowed, like they still were in products. They were in the process of getting it out. And I think it just as of a few years ago, like it's ever, it's out, it's everywhere or it's, it's, it's out of everything I should say. Um, so, so freaking crazy. Huh. It's, it's so crazy. You know, the, when I was learning about the generally recognized as safe list in Dr. Lustig's book, it really kind of, it blew my mind, but at the same time, not really, because we think about all of these things that are generally recognized as safe and all of these food scientists of all these different companies can just essentially put whoever they're working for on that thing because they're going to hire scientists who are, have vested interest in a product or receive, receive funds. And if you don't think that receiving funds or vested interest in product, like that's that's a true thing. There was actually just a scientist who died. His name was Donald Russ Rumsfield, and he essentially was a scientist who covered up aspartame's reaction to brain cancer because of it being a neurotoxin. And ironically, the scientist died of brain cancer. He was the CEO of Searle, which is the manufacturer for aspartame. And essentially, he was under Ronald Reagan's administration who selected the head of the FDA. And when he selected the head of the FDA, his elected head that he obviously appointed overrode aspartame safety. And then Rumsfeld made $12 million. So if you don't think that there's money trails, vested interest, corruption going on between who hires who to do this study, I mean, it, it's everywhere. And, you know, we, we bank a lot on these studies, but at the same time, we have to look at conflict of interest. And that's another thing I had written down. There was a paper that I was, that some bro science, of course, posted because bro science, the biggest thing is they get so defensive of artificial sweeteners. So defensive. They say there's no, nothing wrong with it. There's no science. There's no science. Well, is that also the same science that uh, is used by these companies similar to the Donald Rumsfeld story, uh, because that's clearly blew up right in his face. No pun intended, but like there's, there's so much corruption between who is, who is doing a study and what their interests are. There was a paper that this one huge bro science guy who I just can't, I, so anyways, he had posted essentially huge in defense of aspartame and sucralose. There's nothing wrong with them. Like they're totally fine. Well, I looked at the paper that he did. And if you look at one of the authors, one of my friends pointed this out to me. If you look at one of the authors, the, it was, I believe the third author, you look at his vested interest and in the conflict of interest section of the paper, it mentions him. He's on PepsiCo's payroll. Do you think a company who creates diet products is going to want to find literature that goes against things that make him hundreds of thousands, if not more dollars per year? That would be absolutely asinine. You know, and if these people want to continue eating or drinking or consuming their products that contain these diet, diet things, that's totally fine. I don't, and I just, and so many people that I work with don't, and so many people that I talk with on social media don't, because the amount of DMs that I've gotten saying how much better they feel without it, and how they've gotten their cycle back, or how they don't get cystic acne anymore, how their bloating is better. I don't need, there's plenty of research articles defending my stance on 
how I don't think these products are safe. And you can refer to the artificial sweeteners episode I did a few months back. Oh gosh, I can't remember the episode of it. I can link it in the show notes though. You can check out the research that I found there. Um, but let's just go by off of how we feel. Um, or let's just use some common sense here. A chemical that we are making in a lab. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now what are we comparing that to? Oh, real food. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do we, yeah, I, I, that just seems like a no brainer to me. I, I can't believe that that's even controversial. I really honestly can't. And I can't believe that this is the, the, this of all things is what drives people to go bananas and get their panties in a bunch is the fact that they're defending artificial products that are a known neurotoxin to the body. I mean, I don't, whatever. I mean, it's, just, it's very similar to smoking. I mean, it was totally fine. Cool. Yeah. Great. Everybody do it. And then, oh shit, this causes cancer. Oh my God. This causes oxidative damage in the body. Oh God, this causes low grade inflammation. I don't feel like being a part of a science experiment for people that do that is totally their choice. Hopefully there's some informed consent around it. That's not me. I don't think that's probably you guys either. The more, you know, right. But there's a lot of conflict of interest in those in, in, in research in general. You know, you ha- you really have to have to look into it. Who's paying for the study? Who's who's funding the study? Who they're doing the study for? You know, are these people on other people's payroll? I mean, all of those things are incredibly important. So, yeah, I just really wanted to kind of bring light to some of this stuff. I really think that you guys should check out the book Metabolical. It's excellent. I don't know if I could get him here on the podcast. I would love to, but he talks about so many. I mean, this was just a basis, like a small little part of his book. He exposes so, so, so much in the book. I highly recommend you guys get it. I read it and I'm constantly using it for reference. It's excellent. So you can check that out. Um, Again, highly recommend it, especially if this stuff interests you. It's just, it's so crazy to me how much goes into the processed food industry and our food, our food in general. And that's why I really just try to limit what I do at the grocery store. And I, that's why in the spring, summer, fall, I love shopping at farmer's markets because I can just cut out the middleman completely and just have an honest conversation with the person where I'm getting this food from. And that's the best part. You know, I rarely eat things out of a package. I try to make things if I'm going to make, you know, like I can make my own protein bars or whatever. I actually have been really loving the RAR bars. Those are great. I think you guys can use discount code Haley for those. They're great. R-A-W-R. So they're delicious. They're very clean. They're all whole food ingredients. But I, I am very much so like if I am going to eat something out of a package or that's not just in whole food form, I'm going to align with somebody who understands the importance of food safety, of not even food safety in the sense of acute toxicity, but chronic toxicity and using ingredients that are well-sourced that have people's health in mind and not just their taste buds and their wallets. Because to be honest, that's pretty much all companies care about. They want it to be so hyper palatable that you can't stop eating it and that you continue to buy. That is like every, that is, if you make food, that is literally how you make your money is by having food. Why do you think that like these small farmers and these whole food places, I mean, they just, they don't have these mass marketing companies. They don't need those types of things because if you just ate real food, you'd realize that that's truly what your body craves. But anyways, I'll get off my soapbox on that. But, um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this little short episode. I've got some exciting interviews and stuff that I have coming up, but again, I like to sprinkle in just a solo episode, kind of get what's on my mind off my mind because 
I don't know. There's just some things that just obviously really get me fired up and that I find very, very passionate. And I, I want people to know. And this episode is obviously one of them. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Be on the lookout for my membership. I'm actually, as soon as I get off recording this podcast, I'm going to sit down or probably stand up because my low back is killing me. I don't know what I did the other day. I was feeling great. I was doing squats and I was at a medium weight. I mean, nothing crazy for me by any means. I was still kind of working to my top set and I just, at the bottom of a squat, I tried to get up and I just couldn't. I ended up getting up, but I immediately racked it and I've been hurting. So I've been doing a lot of cupping, a lot of muscle work, a lot of mobility and stretching. I'm just kind of fully fully kind of taking it in that I'm probably not going to train anymore this week, which sucks because I felt so good. It sucks. But I am, you guys know, if you work with me, if you know me, you know that I'm a huge fan of listening to your body. And so I'm going to do that, but I'll kind of share some things that, that I do kind of along this journey. But honestly, I got out of the infrared sauna before I recorded this episode and that helped me a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. That's honestly one of the best investments that we made. That was our wedding gift to each other. We got the sunlight in. Sunlight in and clear light from my research tend to be the the best because they're lowest EMF. Like if you just get one off of Amazon or you don't know what their EMF is, like a lot of them do have higher electromagnetic frequency. So the clear light and the sunlight in are by far the best from what I found. We just happened to go with the sunlight in. That's the one my parents have. We have the signature two. I get a lot of questions on that. I'd love actually to bring somebody from Sunlight and on to the podcast. So I'm going to take a note of that and potentially do an episode on that. But I'd love to know what topics you guys would like to hear more about in terms of like these solo episodes that I do, whether you guys want to hear more about like me and my routine, like my fitness hacks that I do, my health hacks, my diet, um, which sneak peek, my membership is going to be getting all of like my diet hacks and all of those things. But I will still continue to bring free information on the podcast. So I just would love to know what you guys would like to hear about. You know, there's a lot of aspects of my life that I do share on social media. So between my dog, my fitness, my family, my castor oil packs and enemas and all the, I mean, all the things, my diet, our garden, farmer's market stuff. I mean, I I share a lot of stuff. So you guys can just kind of let me know what you guys would like to hear on these episodes and I can try to bring it to you. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you found this helpful. You know, hopefully you were able to kind of get some insight into a lot of the craziness that goes into our food system. You know, share it with somebody who you think could benefit and go out there and spread the information yourself because I'm only one person. So the more the merrier that we can just kind of demand and ask for better. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening as always, and I will catch you next week. Woo!